Welcome to Core 242 Podcast, brought to you by Core Community Covenant Church. Now let's dive into the Word of God with Pastor Max and Pastor Trish. <laughs> amen, 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 amen. Praise God and hallelujah and all that other great things that we can give glory and honor to God in all times, in all situations. Amen. In all places. In all places, at all times. Uh, for all people. For, to all the people of the world. Hi, a bouncer of Christ. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, Eighth Commandment. We're, we're going into the Eighth, eighth Commandment. We're, we're almost done. Um, this, it's, it's, it's so, again, we, we started this series in like, all right, this is going to be simple. Ten Commandments. It's going to be nice and easy, and we're just going to go through this. So the Eighth Commandment is from Exodus 20, verse 15. Uh, simply reads, you shall not steal. Uh, the, the word there for steal, it's, it means stealing and... Deceit. Deceit. All right, so we're not going to dive too much into it, but um, we'll mention it a little bit. So just like in all the other ones that we talked about previously, uh, especially the 5 through 10, where, where's the heart of this commandment, right? Again, wh- why are we hearing this? And we got to understand that when we talked about murder, right? Where, what was the heart of murder? With- Sorry. I wanted to, to, I wanted to bring some diversity into, into the church. And I, brought like, up, wow, really I brought cool. a little bit. Um, <laughs> We're talking about it back. I brought it back. Murder on my mind, huh? <laughs> so, I liked it. I was living. You know, you got you to speak to all the audience. Wow. Um, so with, with murder, we talked about, we, we talk, Jesus pointed out that it's the anger of the heart. And when we talked about adultery, we talked about, Jesus again pointed us to the lust and everything else. So when we're looking at steal, where where is that stealing? Where is that coming up from? And uh, one of the commentators said like that that kind of comes from being selfish. The the selfishness or greed. We kind of we kind of find find those kind of things in that where we believe that we deserve better mm-hmm. and we're going to get it mm-hmm. any way we can. Mm-hmm. Right? Stealing there's you know Stealing is opposite of giving, kind of, kind of sort of. We can, I'm sure we can argue about different ways. And we look at, at these two things, why, why it's so important to talk about this commandments, because in John 10, 10, we hear about the devil, that he comes here to kill, steal, and destroy. And then we also have John, uh, John 3, 16, of God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So there's this two, two things about giving and stealing. One comes from God. The stealing comes from the devil. It's that mm-hmm. desire, right? James teaches that that the temptation comes from our evil desire, which leads to sin, which leads to death, right? So it's those kind of things. So it's it's our natural desires, it's our wants and our needs that that we think that we that we deserve. So we're going to talk about three ways that we steal. Uh, the easy one that we we always talk about, and we can see it and. And uh, the Bible, especially the Old Testament, talks a lot about it, is stealing from others. Then we're going to talk about stealing from ourselves. And the last one we're going to talk about stealing from God. Right? Yes. Yes. 
So the, under stealing, uh, stealing from others, the first thing that we tend to think of when you think of stealing, this is the, the general impression, is of course that you would take something that doesn't belong to you. You would take something from someone else that's not ours. And unlike some of these other commandments that we've studied, the, the consequence for stealing is actually that you would give back most of the time double. There's some circumstances where it says quadruple the amount. Sometimes it says five times the amount. But m- most of the, the rules in Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and so on that explains the consequence for stealing is that you would give back plus uh, the value. So you would give back double whatever it was that you were caught stealing. So there's no severe consequence as far as death or um, any of those things. Um, and we, we can get into that a little bit. But why do we steal? We want to just mention some of the reasons why people steal. Um, some people steal just because of the thrill of it, right? There's kind of this adrenaline rush when you steal something. And there are people who literally for no other reason other than just having that adrenaline rush, other than having a thrill of being able to get away with something that you knew you weren't supposed to. If we're really raw and honest about it, that's the reason, that's a motivation why some people steal. Um, the other reason why people steal is because they feel entitled. A lot of times we justify our stealing because maybe in the workplace we feel that we're not being compensated well enough. And so, oh, we'll just take some. One of the number one things that happens when an organization is not healthy is that people steal the office supplies. So you can always tell whether a a workplace is healthy or not based on how many office supplies are walking out the back door. Um, It's kind of one of those funny tricks and tips in business. So we, and, and not only in the workplace, but in other ways, uh, you know, we, we can justify and we say, oh, well, you know, the store is overcharging on this and I don't think it's really worth that amount. And so I'll just take it. Um, or, you know, I had this conversation with our son a little bit ago because we were in the, in the restaurant and we, we just got cups for water and he wanted to just take the pop. And he's like, well, it doesn't really cost anything. And so we had to have a conversation, honest conversation mm-hmm. about maybe they were, maybe the business is overcharging for a soft drink or whatever, but we asked for a cup for water. We did not pay for that soda. And so there's, there's a, an ethical way to approach that. And I, it was like, if you're going to take the soda, then we need to pay for it. Mm-hmm. And having those conversations where we could justify it and say it's a gray area, but scripture has made it very clear that when we take something that does not belong to us, when we take something that's not ours, that is the most fundamental, most basic definition that we all kind of know is stealing. But we like to make it gray, right? So that we can justify ourselves. Mm-hmm. So the other one is withholding something from others. In uh, Proverbs 3.27, Proverbs 3.27 kind of talks about that. It says, do not withhold good from those who deserve it, what is in your power to act. So that's another way of stealing. And we're again, we're just going to hold on to um, things that we steal from money or you borrow something from somebody and you don't give it back or you told them that you're going to give something to them and you don't give it back. There's other things that we can talk about. One of the commentaries that, that, I, that I read through, they were talking about just even honor in people. Like when you, when you gossip, you're taking away their integrity. When you um, slander people and things like that. So, but there's, that's one of the ways you can steal from somebody and not give what they deserve. But we want to really focus on the material, material things. So if we are able to do that, we should not withhold wedge, wage, wages, mm-hmm. withhold wages from somebody. If we promised that this is what they're going to get, well, that's what we should, we should do. If we 
Um, if we took out a loan, we should pay for it. If we use the credit card, we should pay the debt for it. It's because we knew when we borrowed that money, we should pay back to it. And when we don't, that's stealing. So I know there's in, there are some laws, bankruptcy and all that other things. But for us as Christians with integrity, we should know that if we're going to be take, taking this money and saying that I'm going to pay you back, it doesn't matter if it's to a bank or some other organization, whatever it is, we should have that integrity knowing that we're going to pay back. So this is one of the things that we don't necessarily think of. When you think of stealing, again, you think of just taking something that doesn't belong to you. But scripture has made it clear that we steal when we don't give someone something that they're due. And Psalm 37 verse 21 says this, the wicked borrow and do not repay. And here's that contrast again between uh, between stealing and giving. It says, but the righteous give generously. So just as an example of uh, Several years ago, you know, there was the 2008 housing crisis. And all of a sudden, people, the property value, people had mortgages and their property value went through the floor. Like their houses were worth, I think ours was worth a third of what we had paid for it. And there was this trend that everybody was just saying, well, you know, the downside of my contract is that if I default on my loan, the bank will just seize my property. And so people started to just allow their house to go into foreclosure and they bailed on their mortgage payments because they figured, well, the worst thing that happens. And the, the banks got loaded with all these houses and the banks are in the business of money, not in the business of real estate. And so there was an ethical problem that people were not paying their mortgages and then they were stashing up the cash. And then when their house was foreclosed on, they had enough cash to go and buy a new property with cash. And that according to God's standards, would be one way, just because it's a loophole, just because you can get away with it, is unethical. Because when you signed that contract, you knew that you had the balance of the loan. You made an agreement that you were going to pay a certain amount back every month. And when you purchase a property, you're taking a risk that the property may increase in value or it may decrease in value. Mm -hmm. But as people of our word, as believers, we have made a commitment and scripture has made it clear that we, we have to honor that contract. We have to honor that covenant. And just because we found a loophole doesn't mean that we should exercise that right. Mm -hmm. um, so one of the other ways, which is kind of tied to this, is uh, that we, one of the ways that we withhold or take, take from others in a way that is not directly stealing, um, but is a form of stealing, is when we cheat. Um, it's another way that we try to get something that doesn't belong to us. So Hosea 12, 7 and 8 talks about using dishonest scales and how God hates using. There's actually many scripture verses that talk about using false weights, using dishonest scales. Um, but Hosea uh, 12, 7 and 8. Can you read it? Yeah. Sorry, I didn't see it. Here, I promise. So 1278 says, The merchant uses dishonest scales. He loves to defraud. Ephraim boasts, I am very rich. I have become wealthy. With all my wealth, they will not find in me any iniquity or sin. So the dishonest scales, the dishonest measures, was when you would go to purchase something, they would put the amount, just kind of like when you go to the grocery store where you put your, I don't know if they do that anymore, but you would put it in the basket, remember, and it would weigh, and then you knew how much to pay. Some places still do that. Uh, so using dishonest scales meant that the measure would be off, and so the merchant would overcharge you 
based on what you thought you were purchasing because they had dishonest measures and dishonest scales. So the dishonest measure and dishonest scales was representative of the fact that when we conduct ourselves in business, that we don't overcharge people, that we don't swindle people out of money, that we don't cheat in order to get ahead. Um, And this can look a number of different ways, not only financially, but obviously we can cheat in other ways for our own selfish gain. And that is something that would be considered stealing and something that is outside of what we should be engaging in as believers. And that ties into the fact that the root word gaban that is used in Exodus 20 has to do with not only stealing, but the same word is used to deceive. So it, the commandment is actually not only do not steal, but it's also don't, don't cheat, don't lie, don't deceive people in order to get dishonest gain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, by the at the end of the day, as as believers, it's all about honoring God. And I love uh, in Proverbs chapter thirty, verse eight and nine, uh, the the author over here, uh, Agur, son of Jakeh, he says this powerful things, and I have, said, I have I know I have prayed this number of times. It says verse eight says, "Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread." Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal mm-hmm. and so dishonor the name of God. It's, it's such a, to me, it's, it's such a powerful prayer, such a powerful statement that, God, just give me what I need. Just give me my daily bread. And for us, we're like, what we have in us, we need to trust that we pray, God, give us a daily bread. And what we have is enough from him. And we should not look for more or we should, and we're hoping for not less, right? And I love that his, his biggest concern is, is that he will disown God or he will dishonor God in this. So w- with us, when we're looking uh, as we are, the way we go towards our bills, as we um, go towards the people around us and everything else, that we will not steal or be, become dishon- dishonest is because we might dishonor or forget God. Uh, so the, the, that's, a, that's a really powerful statement. I really, I really love these verses because it really is a, a, such a deep prayer. Like, God, just let me be just happy with what you've given me so I don't forget you. Hmm. Right? Oh, and the, the, the other verse that I want to share, which it, it kind of pops up, but we, we need to see this. This does not justify stealing, but it's something that we need to keep in mind. Proverbs 6.30, it says, Men do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his hunger when he is starving. Mm. So, Mm. out of nowhere, this proverb comes in. I remember we were researching verses and stuff, and this comes in. What it's not saying that it's okay that the person steals. What it's saying, do not despise him because he's hungry. It actually challenges us now as believers that we need to get to a point that we would not have people in our lives that would get to the point of stealing. Out of desperation. Out of desperation. Even for us, we should not get to a point of desperation if we're in the body of Christ where we would get to a point of stealing. We should be able to go to the body of Christ and ask for help because that's how the churches should be. And we'll talk a little bit later about it. Right? Mm-hmm. You want to talk about Jubilee? So we talked a few weeks ago about how God instituted 
the year of Jubilee. And I don't know if you all remember that, but there was in the 49th year, if someone had sold themselves into debt or they had to forfeit their land in order to pay um, the loans back and, and to survive, that in the 49th year, God made a way for all debt to be canceled, for slaves to be set free, for all of these things to happen. And part of that is recognizing that, you know, there's, there's some really negative reasons why people steal, but there's this exception made when it comes to justice that, again, not justifying that we do it, but at the same time that God looks with grace and mercy on those who would steal because they're desperate. Um, they're, de- they're hungry, they're starving, it's, they need a way to provide for their children. And, and so God made a way to forgive and cancel debt that those who would have debt that they could never repay, he doesn't want any of us to ever be in bondage. He doesn't want any of us to be slaves. Um, scripture says, I think we have it here somewhere, but it says that the slave is, um, the borrower is slave to the, to the lender. Mm-hmm. We had that here, but I can't find it right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll look it up so that I'll share it with you all because I can't remember where it is off the top of my head. But it's mm-hmm. the borrower is slave to the lender. And God doesn't want that any of us would be in bondage. So... As the body of Christ, as we said, there should be a way that we, we care for one another. So often we think that the church is to help people that are out there, but really God has brought us together to take care of our, to take care of our own. Proverbs 22, 7. The rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. Thank you. Uh, so what this tells us is similar to what Jesus teaches us in when he teaches us the prayer of the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father, he, where we say, forgive us our debts as we forgive those, our debtors. And as believers, we should, those who maybe have borrowed from us and don't have the ability to repay, or those who have maybe stolen from us or cheated us, that we should act, while we should not do that, someone who does that to us, our response should be one of grace and mercy, and we should forgive them the way that the Lord has forgiven us. Because whatever someone does to us, can't compare to what we have done and the sin that's in our lives that God has been gracious and forgiven us for. Which gets us into the next point we're going to talk about, which we tend not to think about when we think of stealing, but stealing from ourselves. Yeah, and I want to go, we want to go back to the beginning, Genesis chapter 2. We have two examples. We want to go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Uh, This is the beginning of creation and everything else. He just created a a man and verse 15, it starts off, we'll do 15 and 16 and 17 and 17. It says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For surely when you eat it, you will surely die. So, Something that when we were talking about, Trish pointed out, that tree was for, for him also. He was there to take care of the whole garden. Like that tree was not like surrounded by electrical fence. I wish it was. I, I wish it was separated so he couldn't touch it, right? But it wasn't. It was there. He just couldn't eat it. He, he could have taken care of it, work around it and everything else. Just, he, he, couldn't, he couldn't eat it. So it was there. It was just not meant for him. In Genesis 1, God gave mankind everything. So all of creation was given to mankind Mm -hmm. to rule over and to subdue. And that included everything in the garden, including that tree. Tree. The only thing that was unique about that tree was that there was a boundary to it. He was there to take care of it. He was there to oversee it. It belonged to him. But God said, do not eat of it. And so when they ate of the tree, 
They were actually stealing from themselves. Um, the example that I use as we were having this discussion is like, you know, I should not, we have Oreos in the house, but I'm trying to watch what I eat. And so I should not eat them. So one of the ways that I would steal from myself is I, I might be sneaky about it and no one knows that I'm eating it. But what I'm doing is, is I'm actually stealing from my own health. I'm stealing from, you know, and we do that. We steal from our, we rob ourselves of peace. We rob ourselves of joy. We rob ourselves of blessing uh, uh, because we, we cross, we don't know how to say no to ourselves mm. because of that selfishness, because of that greed, we don't have boundaries. And what stealing is, is a crossing of boundaries, right? The same way that we cross that boundary and we say, what's yours is mine. And we take something from someone else as our own. We can also steal from ourselves. Because the, we, while it may belong to us, while we might have a right to it, we don't know how to tell ourselves no. And so we miss out on all these things. Yeah, and just looking at the New Testament, you, you, see, you see the same, the same thing with uh, Ananias and Sapphira. They had the same, the, they had the same thing in, in the Acts chapter 5. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. Also, meaning somebody else has done it too. The people in the church they started selling, selling things to to help the church out. Right? With his wife full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it in the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so fulfilled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to men but God. So it's this thing as they had a blessing. It was their money. They sold, it was their property, they sold it, it was their money, they had the choice of how much to give, but they lied about it. They lost the blessing. They could have been like Barnabas, because Barnabas, before that, he was the first person who, who, not the first person, the first person recorded, saying that he sold his property and gave to the church, and we know that, he was, he was blessed by it, and we still talk about it, Barnabas the encourager, and then these guys did the same thing, but they lost that blessing, because they chose to steal, they stole from themselves this blessing of being able to be the givers to the church, to be used by God to bless those around them, just because of their selfish desires for whatever reason. Like, it amazes me. It's like, it was your money. I love that Peter just confronted him. It was your money. It was your property. It was your money. Why did you have to lie about it? You could have said, like, hey, I sold it, and I want to give half to the church. They could have said that, but it's like, no, look at me. I gave it all. It's like, you're lying. Like, why? So we miss out. We miss out because we steal from ourselves these blessings that God has for us. We, we steal for ourselves because we have this desire in our hearts. So the last example we have of stealing from yourself is actually in Second Samuel chapter 12. We may know the story of David and Bathsheba, but David was the king over all of Israel. Everything belonged to him, um, and he wasn't able to say no. He wasn't able to have a boundary with Bathsheba, and we see that he, you know, we might blame her, but really she was just unsuspecting taking a bath, and the king told her to come. You couldn't really say no, and so he, he abuses his power in that situation, and we don't know all the details of it, but that's basically, it was everything belonged to him, and everything was at his disposal, and it actually says that here, uh, in Second Samuel chapter 12, it says, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I'm sorry, this is starting in verse 7. The prophet says to David, 
I anointed you king over Israel. I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if all this had been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? And then it jumps to verse 10 and it says, Now, therefore, the sword will never depart from your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. And so we see here that really David thought that he was stealing from Uriah and he had justified it in his own mind. But really, God was like, I have given you everything. Whatever you wanted, I would have given to you. But because he took matters into his own hands, and this is what we do when we lie, cheat, and steal, is we try to take, instead of trusting in the Lord Mm -hmm. to give us what we want, to give us what we need and to provide for us, we try to get it through our own means. We try to take it into our own hands. And we sabotage ourselves. We we end up missing out on the blessings that God would have for us. Mm -hmm. Like I said earlier, we rob ourselves of peace. We rob ourselves of joy. And in David's case, his family line ends up, you see after this, it starts to unravel and the sword comes into his house and there's so much bloodshed and death. Um, and it's quite devastating to a man who was really trying to live in peace. Mm-hmm. A man after God's own heart. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that is how we steal from, from, our, from ourselves by taking away the blessings that God had for us, by taking it in our own hands. So the last one is how we steal from God. Um, so the, this one, we're, we're t- going to talk about tithing. And we, when you hear tithing, a lot of teachings are out there about you tithe with your talents, your treasures, and your time. We're going to focus on the treasures that we have uh, just because that's kind of what the, the word is talking about, the verses that we're going we're gonna to use. So the first one, where, where did it all start? Genesis chapter 14, verse 18 and 20. Um, I'll start at 17. After Abram returned from defeating Kedor Lomar and the kings allied with him, the king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Shaveh. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God most high, and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram, God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him the tenth of everything. So this is the first kind of uh, taste of the 10%, the, the tithing. That uh, Abram just got, was successful in, in the fight. He got lots of goods back. And as he came in, he identified that this man was a man of God. He, he was, the, uh, they describe him as the priest of God most high. So he acknowledged that, and he's like, all right, I want to bless you, and I want to give the 10% and everything else to you. By the way, it's really cool that he brought out bread and wine. Mm-hmm. But we're not going to talk about it. This is not communion. <laughs> but for shit, but never mind. All right, so, so this is where it's established. It's establishment of giving 10% to, to God or to men of God. And this is just the beginning of it in Genesis, and we're going to go more into Deuteronomy. So Deuteronomy chapter 14, if you want to mark this down or follow, uh, we see this, this precedent set for a 10%, for the 10% of your material income. And I know people talk about the tithe in church, and, and we haven't actually yet taught on tithe. Um, we haven't talked about money. Money, the love of money is the root of all evil. And we, we have tried in our church to alleviate, like we work outside jobs. We're not on the payroll of the church 
uh, which we did intentionally because we want to be able to cultivate a community where we're not bound by financial strain in the church. Um, But that doesn't mean that we don't want to cultivate a spirit of generosity. And so we see here that there is a precedent in the Old Testament that a tithe specifically was a tenth of everything that you had. So Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 22 says, be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year. But here's, here's the cool part. We're going to get into this a little bit. Um, verse 23 says, Eat the tithe of your grain, your new wine and oil, the firstborn of your herds and flocks in the presence of the Lord your God at the place that he will choose as a dwelling for his name, so that you may learn to reveal, revere the name of the Lord your God always. Um, and then if you skip down to verse 27, it says, Do not neglect the Levites living in your towns, for they have no allotment or inheritance of their own. And verse 28, it says, at the end of every three years, bring all of the tithes of that year's produce and store it in your towns so that the Levites who have no allotment or inheritance of their own, the aliens, the fathers and the fatherless and the widows who live in your towns may come and eat and be satisfied so that the Lord may bless you in all the works of your hands. So what was the purpose of the tithe? So you know that you're supposed to set aside 10% of your material possessions, but it was Part of the reason, the, the first reason that's given is actually so that you could come together in the temple, in the community, and you could actually benefit and be blessed in worship. So it's meant to supply for the house of God, but you're included in that. So it's not meant to be something that is taken from you, but it's meant to be a way that you can participate in the community of God and you can actually celebrate. So you were supposed to take a tenth and you were supposed to gather with the people of God and you were supposed to eat it and drink it and have a really good time. Which is why we always have snacks on Sunday. It's like potluck. (laughs) Like having a great big potluck. But the other reason was to supply for those who were doing the work of the temple. For those who were uh, working in uh, the sacrifices and offerings who were doing the work of the Lord. Who didn't have another way to support themselves. They didn't have another job. They lived in the temple area. They tended to the temple needs. And they served before the Lord. And they served the people helping them mediate between the people and God. And they didn't have their own land. They didn't have their own jobs. They didn't have any other material possessions. And so this was one way to support their livelihood because a worker is worth their wages, scripture teaches us. And they were doing the work of the Lord. And this was a way of people to give back and to help support them. But the third reason was generosity to those who were in need. It says that this is for the the aliens, which are foreigners who were outsiders Uh, who may not have a way to be accepted in the community and make a way of living. So like refugees, immigrants, the fatherless and the widows who live in your towns may come and eat and be satisfied. So this was a way to provide for people who are in need. So one of the things that we should be doing as the body of Christ is not only celebrating and eating, not only supporting the work of the church, but also being generous in our giving and supporting for the needs for the less fortunate, for those who are in society at a disadvantage and can't supply for their own needs. Yeah, and God, God really takes it in Malachi. Deuteronomy. Deut- um, sorry, that was Deuteronomy 14, uh, verses 22 through 29. And then Malachi speaks of this uh, in chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 through 10. And he, he truly just call, calls it how it is. And this is God speaking through Malachi. It says, Will a man rob God? Yeah, you robbed me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithe and offerings. You're under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, 
that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. So he's he's literally, in, in this verse, it's really confronting us that when we do not tithe, when we do not give offering, it's we are robbing, again, we're robbing ourselves from being an opportunity to be used by God through our tithing, but we also really are robbing God because as believers, that's part of our relationship. And everything belongs to him. We're just stewards of it. Yeah, it's it's we've seen it before of, you know, he gave you all. He gave it all to you. He's asking for 10 to provide for others and for the community of believers. That's what it's all. And he is very much so. And he's saying, again, I will provide just how he said it to David. If you would have asked, I would have given you even more. Like, just be faithful. Be faithful with what I ask you. Be faithful with what I ask you, and I will bless you. And it's it's not it's not. And again, this is not if you give me a uh, give a church ten dollars, you have hundred dollars in return. And if you this, um, we're we're not saying that at all. It might be a monetary blessing. It might be a blessing because you're able to help somebody. It might be a blessing that we're going to feed some homeless people because we're going to be able to support another ministry. It might be a blessing because we're going to be able to comfort those who are in needs through that money, and you're part of that. Paul talks about it all the time that you guys are, that the people who tithe to him, they're ministers in his, in his ministry. They're, they come alongside of it. So what he's doing, they're doing. Because they're providing for him and he's providing for those around. It's just, it's that kind of relationship, right? So you may say, well, this is the Old Testament and we're free in Christ and we don't have to do this. The tithe was an old thing. And to a degree, you're right, because the, we don't have a, a traditional temple anymore. We don't have sacrifices. We don't have all those things. But we do want to highlight that, like all the other scriptures that we've been teaching, these other commandments... Jesus never came to abolish the law. He never came to say it doesn't apply. What he does is he always takes it to the next level. Mm -hmm. So he says, well, you were told to give a tithe, but really everything belongs to God. And so we should actually not only give a tithe, we should give an offering. We should give above and beyond that. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the the examples of this is that he confronts the Pharisees uh, about about this specific thing in uh, Matthew 23, 23. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices. In other words, they were being so particular about people giving a tenth that they were even measuring out like their salt, like their spices, um, down to like being that petty. So he says, You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and, cu- and cumin. And then he says this, But you have neglected the more important matters of the law justice, mercy, and faithfulness. But then he says, so we know that what matters first is the heart, right? We know that God doesn't so much care about your behavior and your giving, but he cares about the condition of your heart. He doesn't want you to be selfish or greedy. He wants you to care about justice. He wants you to care about mercy, and he wants you to be faithful, which is what tithing was meant to teach us, right? It's, these are not just disconnected values. These are directly things that we should be learning through the practice of tithing. But he says right after that, you should have practiced the latter, meaning justice, mercy, and faithfulness, without neglecting the former. So he doesn't say don't give 10%. 
He says, give your 10%, but also learn justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Make sure that you're not only living the letter of the, that you're fulfilling the law, but make sure that you understand the heart of the law. And then he says, you blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. In other words, they were being legalistic while missing the heart of the law itself. Yeah, I, I love one of the verses in chapter uh, in James. It talks about when a, a brother or sister comes to you naked and hungry and you're like, oh, God bless you. I'll be praying for you, but don't feed them like it's not good. So he's saying, like, don't be all spiritual about this. Like they hold on. But show us mercy. So is justice. So it's not it's not just the 10 percent. But why are you giving 10 percent? If you're if you're a gift to the church, this should be cheerfully. And, you know, and now. Uh, Paul teaches, actually, he does a really great teaching here in 2 Corinthians um, chapter 9, verse 7. It says, uh, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So we don't want this uh, emotional giving. That's not something we do. We don't want uh, giving out of guilt or anything like that. We want you to sit down as a family and make a budget. Or when, when your check comes in, it's like, all right, this is our 10%, and now we're going to make a budget around that 10%. Right? He always wants to give the first fruit. So it's not, let, let's, let's do all that we want to do. If there's anything left over, we're going to give to God. Mm. It's, it's, this is my 10% out of this paycheck that I'm going to give to God. Um, as you guys can see, I didn't say to church, to God, however that looks like. There may be other ministries that God is calling you yeah. to support. Mm-hmm. And then we live on the rest. We pay the bills. We go out to eat. We, whatever we do. We buy a new motorcycle part, maybe in there. No? Anyways. <laughs> but <laughs> had to throw that in there, just in case. Uh, but that's, that's kind of how it works. He's saying plan. I, I love that it says that. It's, it's amazing. He's talking about budgeting in the, in the Bible so many years ago. He's like, hey, make a spreadsheet. No, he doesn't talk about spreadsheets. <laughs> but it, I love it. It's not under compulsion. Not out of because you went, went to church and the pastor saw Not because you saw a video and you got emotional and like, oh, here's $500. Mm. And then all of a sudden the bill comes and now you're in a place of, now you're in that place of what, what, what we read in Proverbs. Now I don't have enough and I dishonor you. Mm. Right? So now I can't pay my bills. Now I can't pay my loans. And now I'm dishonoring God because now I'm stealing from the bank or I'm stealing from others. others right? That we don't, he doesn't want that. He wants you to come to this, this giving with, with a plan, with, with an actual plan, knowing what you can and cannot give. A dollar, a two dollars, five dollars, whatever, a thousand dollars, whatever you can that tithe is, that's what you give. Then you go from there. And he honors that. He truly honors. He says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things at all times, having the all that you need, you will abound in every good work. It'll be a good work. It'll be a blessing. So the final thing is Matthew. Uh, chapter 6, verse 21, there's these two verses here and um, also one in Luke. It says very simply, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Mm-hmm. The reason that God wants us to give that 10% is, again, to remind us that everything we have belongs to him. 
all of it, all of your income, all of your material possessions. And yes, we could talk about your time and talent as well, that God doesn't want us to sit on those things. But specifically, this sermon is about your material possessions. And God wants you to give that 10% or 12% or 15%, whatever he puts on your heart to give, uh, because he's trying to teach you that where your heart, I mean, where your treasure is, your heart is also. Like, if you ever want to know what is important to someone, where their values, what they consider valuable, look at their checkbook. Look at where their money is going, and it'll tell you a lot about a person's heart. And then in Luke, this is, this is the final point, Luke chapter 6, verse 38, just encourages us with this about our giving. Because remember, giving is the contrast to stealing. It says in Luke chapter 6, verse 38, Give, and it will be given to you, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together. In other words, instead of those dishonest scales, do generously and abundantly. Pack it in and, and trust that the Lord will, it says here, uh, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So while we don't say, you know, sow your seed of $100 and you'll get 1000 in return, that check is in the mail. You know, that's not, the prosperity gospel is not something that, that Christ has taught biblically. But there is a principle that you can't outgive God. Amen. And so if you give with a generous measure, instead of trying to take matters into your own hands and take what doesn't belong to you or get it in a dishonest way, God will very generously provide for all of your needs, which he already has. Because the fact that you're even able to give means that he's provided enough to you that you don't have to resort in desperation to dishonest means. Amen. Thank you for spending time with us during this episode. We pray that this teaching blessed you and brought you closer to understanding God. If you'd like to contact us, please email us at corechurch242 at gmail.com. Until next time, know you are loved and covered in prayer.